Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. G'day and welcome to AusBiz. This is The Call, 10 stocks picked by you, two experts, one hour, it is Friday, the 17th of December. I'm Andrew Gagan. Great you can join us. All right, let's uh, get to our two experts on the show here today for the full hour. Joining us is Junbei Lu from Tobeka Investment Partners and Adam Dawes from Shore and Partners. Welcome to you both. Junbei, of course, so much action uh, just over the past couple of days with the central banks, of course, and a bit of a surprise there for the Bank of England overnight. And we're seeing that move from uh, growth into value. Well, absolutely. Look, the past week is uh, nothing short of, uh, uh, you know, incredible volatility because, um, you know, after we heard from what Federal Reserve is planning to do uh, when they come through with their three-phase plan, um, you know, we and then we saw the growth stock had a brief rally. And then now that we've seen them being, you know, aggressively sold off, um, it's just been incredible volatility in the market. Um, but look at these sort of, I do remember, we're very close to Christmas and then there's just not that many people around in front of their screens at this point so market is incredibly thin um you know small movement you will just see the price move um uh you know quite a bit because just because people are on holiday and no one's really willing to put on any risk or you know buy aggressively um ahead of the long holiday so um that kind of contribute the volatility um but taking a step back you know bank of england putting uh they've been talking about the rates and it hasn't been a um you know that much of a surprise and eventually all of us will have um, you know, interest rate re- return to a more normalized level. And that probably will take at least 12 months for uh, most of the country or 12 to two, 12 months to two years. And that is still, in a way, quite stimulatory. So the volatility in the market, if anything, it's buying opportunity. Yeah, well, OK, that's a great, a great uh, positive way of looking at it. Dorsey, how are you seeing at the moment? Uh, as uh, Jumbei mentioned, there thin volumes obviously going into the holiday period, uh, but clearly still a lot of uncertainty. Yeah, there is. And, and certainly with interest rates, we're certainly, Andrew, we're certainly seeing that uh, ability for uh, central banks to sort of pull that lever uh, back and forth. And look, there's been a lot of talk of quantitative easing and there's certainly been a, a lot of talk of when interest rates are going to rise. And that's, that's I guess, the key thing for the market is to work out when that's going to happen. Now, you know, as of a couple of days ago, it was 2024 or the Fed thought 2024, the banks probably thought 2023, and then now the market's thinking 2022. Now, somebody's got to be right somewhere in there, but I think the Fed now is sort of bringing that uh, rhetoric or that uh, that talk forward, and potentially 2022 might be the year. So it does look like the markets are going to give, uh, give us a little bit more of a signal. It's going to be a little bit stressful for equity markets as interest rates rise. That's okay. Interest rates rising means that things are doing okay as well. So pretty comfortable with those uh, potential issues. And look, that will cause more volatility going forward into 2022. All right. Well, let's uh, get into uh, our, well, I was going to say our stock of the day. In fact, today 
It's our sector of the day. Uh, we thought we'd take a look at the broader buy now, pay later sector, given there's a bit of news around there at the moment. In fact, uh, it is circling the drain today with US regulators looking to crack the whip on the sector to protect consumers. Uh, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau out of Washington saying it's concerned about accumulating debt, regulatory arbitrage and data harvesting. And Afterpay responding by saying it welcomes efforts to ensure there's appropriate regulatory protections for consumers. It's also merging with Block, of course. That's a consideration. Uh, shares down substantially, some 38% year to date, as we've seen from around September. Uh, BNPL today is a sea of red. In fact, uh, just looking at the latest numbers there, uh, both the Zip and Afterpay down well over 7%. Uh, also, interestingly today too, we've got there's some speculation that Zip uh, may be eyeing a merger with its US rival Sezzle, although it's not commenting on that. So a lot to consider in the sector. Jumbei, what are your considerations? <laughs> Look, this sector is going through pretty tough times. Um, the regulatory announcement, uh, you know, of the regulatory review in the US it's not a surprise because we've seen it in every other country um, this sector has grown well as the you know initial uh, inventor which is the afterpay has grown from nothing to now an incredible part of the um, you know digital payment system ecosystem um, you know not only just in Australia it's actually in the US and you know around the world and it's gathering so much momentum you've got the large payment system uh, well, the payment companies such as, um, you know, the credit card companies, the PayPal's. And, and so everyone is moving into space just means that um, it is attracting regulatory tension. And, uh, you know, in Australia, we went through this review a few days, three years ago um, and then came through with, you know, continue to monitor. Um, but as it matures, we will have more regulations coming in. Uh, just to ensure the healthy development of the of the sector. So I uh, look, it's not as uh, not a, a surprise, but certainly things will uh, get a little bit tougher as we go forward. Competition is picking up in this space as well as we talk to all these new large players going in. Um, and I think one big theme in the next 12 months is consolidation. We're already seeing consolidation after pay has been taken out by um, by. Um, by S by Square, and uh, we'll see more mergers. You know, most of these businesses won't be exist um, as the way it is um, uh, in the next 12 months, um, simply because the you know the sector needs to consolidate uh, to really become the bigger, the better. Um, and then you need to continue to spend and grow um, uh, and capture all that addressable market. So it requires mm. a lot of money into space and attracting a lot of attention. So my view is that it's 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 it's, it's too volatile at this point. Um, you really need to watch and see, but there will be more uh, mergers and acquisition taking place with the business phase. Okay, so too volatile at the moment. But if you're already in there, Jumbei, do you, do you hold where you are? Look, if you're already in there, I think you will still be a little bit more cautious. You're probably a hold uh, instead of a sell, and you want to stick to the large players. Don't go small because smaller players do not have any competitive advantage uh, in, in a world where it's rapidly consolidating and the competition increasing. All right. Adam, your thoughts, as Jumbo said there, uh, consolidation expected as we go into the new year. What are your thoughts? Well, uh, Jumbe is always eloquent as always. So, uh, look, I think she's said pretty much uh, everything that I need to say. But, look, I wanted to wrap some numbers around what these guys are basically talking about at the moment. 
And, and, and the thing is that the U.S. transaction or sort of the transactions in the U.S. market for the buy now, pay later sector is going to equal around about $55 billion for this year. Now, that's a lot of money. And there and estimates are going to, saying that that is going to rise to $74 billion next year. So this is certainly a sector that is going to continue to go. Afterpay has a total of 28,000 merchants on their books. Now, that's up from 3,800 a year ago. Sorry, two years ago now. So, look, huge growth in that sector. And I think definitely they need to have some transparency. But the key thing, and I think what the US regulators are going to be talking about, is that 53 million adults in the US lack traditional credit scores. So, in other words, 53 million people can't really get a credit card, can't really get a home loan, can't really get any kind of access to credit. And then obviously they're seeing them taking up the buy now, pay later sector. And that's really where I think the regulators need to step in. Certainly that is going to be a sore point for them because they don't want these people that don't have the ability to get these kinds of credit or don't have the access to it is to get into more debt and then puts more strain on the system. So I think that mm. regulatory is going to do well for them. Certainly, if uh, anything, I would definitely be holding it. I prefer Zip over all of them due to the fact that Zip has a higher regulatory hurdle to get an account versus something like an afterpay. So Zip is my pick in that sector. Interesting. All right. And, and if you're not there already, Adam, is now the time to get in or are you just biding your time? Uh, I think uh, Zip, there's a, there's, a, there's a good support level at $3.80. So... Uh, if you're not in there, look for that support level, $3.80. I think it should do well uh, when it hits there and potentially have a bit of a bounce. So, yeah, that that's that's be my level for entry onto Zip. Good one. All right, that is a summary of the buy now, pay later sector. All right, let's get into the stocks. Uh, these ones, of course, picked by you. Our first one is Wiser from Glenn. Uh, he's hoping the panel can provide some insight into the future prospects of the company uh, should the recent pullback be viewed as a buying opportunity, of course, we're remaining in the fintech sector here. Adam, your thoughts? Yeah, look, Wise is a, a very interesting business and really got a fantastic business model because they've done they've done very very well going forward. One of the things that I think that you need to be really careful about with Wiser is the amount of paper that's actually being traded on this one. Uh, the, the the amount of shares, I think it's it's shy, just shy of two billion shares on issue. So there's a lot of paper to get through if you are looking for it. And then hence why the stock really hasn't gotten out of its trading range of sort of 20 to 25 cents. You can see that on the chart. It really uh, maybe got up to yeah, 30 cents or so, but it's come back. So, yeah, I'd just be really careful about Wiser. I really like their business model. I really like what they do going forward. Um, we, we've stopped. We had a buy on it here at Shore & Partners, but we uh, have pulled back. We've, we've, we've taken off in, in coverage on that stock. But I think it's certainly well worth in the low 20s uh, for a trade. I think a wiser is, is a good idea. It's got a good solid business. So that would be a buy from me, but at probably at these lower prices. All right. So watch for those key levels A buy from Adam. Jumbei, your thoughts? Look, um, let me just, <laughs> I absolutely agree with, uh, with uh, Adam and, uh, you know, he said it all. Um, but uh, I think just uh, taking a step back as we uh, talked to um, at the beginning that um, the market dynamic is changing. You know, we've got interest rates potentially going high. Well, not potentially, interest rate is going higher um, in the next 12 months. And so we will, um, you know, although it's still a pretty good environment for equities, um, but we just need to very mindful of companies that's yet to turn profits. So, you know, these are some of the companies that's, uh, you know, that will be under enormous amount of pressure in terms of valuation because they are too expensive 
Now, unfortunately, Wiser sits in that group. Um, I think Wiser is a great business. It's done much better than its competitors. Um, in fact, the share price actually is holding up much better than some of its competitors. Um, and um, you know, and it's got a lot of growth avenue. It's got a long runway um, of what it would what it could do. Um, and it's achieved everything you know the management has promised um, to to uh, to achieve. So it's a good company. But the problem is, it, it, although it's well funded, it is not yet cash break even. Uh, and it will take some time to get there. So for that group of stocks, um, just have to be mindful um, because in the next 12 months, the you know the valuation is going to uh, to come uh, to more realistic levels, and they might find um, a bit more challenging in terms of performance of the share price. Okay, so you're seeing the potential, but you're not buying now. I'm not buying now. I think you you can get a better better, better price. All right. Okay. That is wiser. Let's move on to our second one. And uh, this one is corporate travel management coming to us from Felix. Now, of course, we know what's been going on in the travel sector over the past 18 months. Um, has uh, embarked on a capital raising to acquire uh, the ANZ corporate and entertainment tra uh, travel business. Hello World. So that's a key move there, uh, some $100 million uh, in cash. Uh, 75 in shares. Jumbay. Oh, look, I like the acquisition. Um, it's, uh, uh, you know, they've been making acquisitions in the last 12, 18 months, um, taking advantage of the pandemic. Um, and he bought um, overseas and was very creative in the domestic one. Uh, this this purchase is a creative as well. Uh, but main thing is that really putting uh, corporate trouble, um, you know, as a sizable player, um, or, you know, com almost comparable to, to flight center in the corporate travel space. Um, and uh, so, you know, it's a good acquisition. Um, I think the business is doing very well and corporate travel probably is the best pick out of the whole, um, you know, travel agent space, just be given the, you know, the business is actually uh, well managed and it's not actually burning a significant amount of cash. Um, and uh, actually it's, uh, it's, it's cash profitable. Now the challenge for those, uh, all the travel agent at this point is that they next year, uh, well, um, we thought the world would have recovered by now. And then we have so many different variant Delta and now Omicron um, is now putting dampen, um, dampener on people's intention to travel, um, and especially for the corporate travel uh, travel. Uh, travel. Um, now, uh, we've seen the most recent updated talk to Europe is becoming a bit slower and potentially we'll see more across other markets as well, just because of this Omicron um, is affecting, you know, numbers. So, uh, look, to me, the share prices actually has done very well during the pandemic. Um, and it's probably not going to go anywhere. It's a hold for me, um, and it's um, it will take at least 12 months before we actually see real, um, you know, international international trouble uh, really picking up, um, and the share price is sort of at the moment is reflecting the value at the moment. Yeah, Adam, as Jumbo was saying, you know, we all thought we were going to be out of this by now, but still 18 months down the track, um, and clearly travel is the the one sector that's uh, that's really been hurting. So, um, how are you looking at corporate travel? Yeah, it's interesting because uh, when we when we look at travel, potentially we look at just you know the sort of the retail side of things, but obviously corporate side is actually quite big. Now, there's a couple of things that are worrying me about the corporate side of things. A lot of people are doing things over Zoom now. They don't need to travel as much. They don't need to be in Melbourne, whether they need to be in Brisbane or even then doing deals in Singapore, Hong Kong, or even in the US as well. Now, um, certainly that will flow through and will start to come back 
but certainly that corporate side of things for businesses is going to take a little bit longer to go forward as well. Now, further impacts of COVID is certainly one of those things, but then also the 2022 federal election uh, is going to be an issue on government travel travel volumes. Now, obviously, when corporates travel, we talk about the government, and the government is a big spender of travel, has to get everybody around Australia to get them to come into Canberra, you know, once every three months or whatever they do. Uh, so that's, a, that's going to be an issue. And certainly the retention or the renewal of key government contracts for corporate travel is going to be a big risk for these guys. So there's a couple of things going forward. I do like this Hello World uh, acquisition. It is certainly the jewel in the crown for Hello World. Uh, and looking at sort of total transactional volumes, about 1.1 billion, which is about circa 90 million uh, and EBITDA of 22 plus about 30 with some synergies. So it actually is going to bolt on really nicely for these guys. Look, it's a hold for me as well. I think that with those risks that I first started out with, uh, they aren't going to go away next year. And certainly it is going to be a, a tough year for corporate travel. So I'd stay with a hold on that one. OK, that's a double hold on corporate travel. All right. To our third one, best and less, this one coming to us from Liam. We talk about COVID-related disruptions. That's certainly been the case with best and less. In fact, uh, we had those government restrictions forcing the company to close its doors, both in Australia and New Zealand. So, Adam, what's the future hold? Yeah, I don't know on this one. Uh, <laughs> I'm not a real big shopper at best and less, but look, they're getting some runs on the board, and I think yeah, that's I'm taking a look at what you're wearing today. Um, yes, <laughs> looking uh, pretty I wore my sharp. My special purple tie for you. <laughs> Uh, so look, uh, yeah, look, um, look, prospectus, uh, look, this is obviously a new business. Well, not, maybe not that new, but look, certainly uh, this one has sort of only got a couple of years of sort of trading uh, with us at the moment. Um, they did downward revise their 2022 expectations, largely, largely driven by earnings downgrade and obviously as that because of COVID. They're looking to, within within 2022, encouraging for some more strategies and innovation uh, to try and get a little bit more effective with what's going on inside the business. But certainly the reopening trade, and that's certainly starting to happen, is encouraging going forward. Look, for me, this one, it, look, I, I just don't think you need to be there. There's plenty of other retailers that I would really like. Something like a La Visa is a, is a fantastic business. Or even coming into coming into Christmas, something like a shaver shop uh, well, should do quite well uh, in, in this environment. Whereas best and less, I just don't see the high-vis stuff really getting me excited. So if I have to be pushed, I'd say if you've got it, look, hold it. But I wouldn't be adding anything new to it. And I think there's far more exciting positions out there. Yeah, Jabe, do you agree on that? Yeah. Uh... Uh, I so, 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 sort of agree. Um, I think, uh, uh, look, I always offer you, you know, retailers, um, you always want to go to store, touch and feel, and, you know, you want to stick to the to the market leader, uh, either market leader or innovator. So you kind of stick with these two. Um, and um, and um, and then retailers, you need to remember, they're incredibly season, um, cyclical as well. So they will have one good year, then they'll have, um, you know, sorry, they will have, one bad year and then the next year might be really, really good because it's uh, comparable um, looking better and then suddenly they will be on big multiple and then the year after sort of things are tanking for. Uh, but of course, these are much lower quality retailers. Um, they tend to become much, much more cyclical, whereas the market leader, um, they tend to have new innovations and new categories that provide structured growth. Um, so best and less sort of sitting in that low quality retailer space. Um, look, it doesn't look expensive, um, but to me, it's... Um, 
you know, it's it's a discounted department store, and we can see every other discounted department store doing quite well. Um, you know, in the in the in this environment, um, and the environment is um, it, it's been pretty good for these guys, and they've been beneficiary, of course, um, of the you know strong consumer handout and stimulus. So you know, they have benefit from that. Um, but so when things do turn in the next twelve months, and uh, things might get a little bit tougher, um, you know, retailers like like that might struggle. Um, so yeah, so my view is that um, you know probably will take profits. Um, it may do okay for uh, for the next six months, but it's not something that I would hold for um, you know for a very long time, just because it's not you know there's nothing there's no structural growth to a growth driver to drive this retailer. There's no exciting new categories. There's no um, it's really just on you know what people spend on this kind of marketing. So am I taking that as a sell? It's a sell for me. Okay. All right, a sell on, uh, well, not the sort of selling that uh, Best and Less actually likes. All right, let's move to Count Plus. That is our fourth stock. And uh, Andrew, not me, wanting to know what the panel's thoughts are on it, uh, saying directors seem to be buying on the market. Is Australia's, well, it, it, it uh, market itself as Australia's leading network of professional accounting and advice firms. Uh, we could probably do with more advice, Jumbei, because... Obviously, seen a lot of advisors leave the sector. Look, it's been a very tough industry. Um, <laughs> look, it's been a very tough industry. This is a company I kind of feel like I need to call a friend. Um, it's um, it's uh, look, it's 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 gone through a pretty challenging period, and a, um, and the core business thesis is really to um, you know do the roll up strategy. You buy more and more, you consolidate the industry, and simply it's very very fragmented. Um, and that kind of business model um, was was very in vogue, very much in vogue many years ago, and now sort of really struggled. Struggle. Well, investors sort of have um, found that struggle to um, to really generate, uh, see those businesses generate additional returns um, or scale up as they promised to do when they first buy these businesses, and tend to be uh, plagued with problems, um, you know, of individual acquisition. Uh, so you know, the revenue growth, top line growth, is not significant. Um, but it's really, you know, in, a, in terms of a profit line, in terms of the cost out and things that's going to drive the profit. doesn't look expensive. Uh, it looks okay. Um, but uh, just in, in my view, look, it's a very tough industry. Um, you know, at best it's a hold. Um, you know, multiple is not high, driven by cost-driven sort of, you know, sort of initiative and maybe with uh, complemented by the acquisition. So it's, it's a hold for me. A hold. Adam, are you holding it? Well... Uh, no, and there'll be a couple of reasons <laughs> okay, why right. I'm not going to be holding it. Yeah. Uh, look, I'm an advisor. Uh, I totally understand what Jumbe is talking about. This industry has gone through some really major changes and will continue to do some really major changes. And one of the reasons why is, is that the government has put so many different regulations on top of us on how we're supposed to run our business that has been very, very difficult. And just to give you a couple of figures around the industry as far as financial planners and advisors, uh, this is not this is not accountants. This is just financial planners. There was uh, about three years ago about 28,000 financial planners in the sector. Now, with these regulations of new exams and things like that have to come out, we've got new totals now of around about 23,000 financial planners and stockbrokers out in the industry. And they reckon by 2026, when everybody has to be degree qualified, there'll only be 13,000 advisors uh, to service uh, Australia going forward. 
Now, that's great for me because I'm going to be here and I'm going to be servicing everybody, so that's not a problem. But what it is is that if something like Count Plus, which is a business that is going to rely on numbers and a roll-up strategy, as Jumbe said, you know, buying more businesses, they're not going to be able to buy any businesses. Now, you think, okay, well, there's lots of people leaving the industry. Is there more people coming into the industry to make that happen? Well, that's not the case. I think so in the last quarter, we only had five new advisors actually come into the industry going forward because they have to do a year of, uh, have to do an extra year and they have to have a degree and all this kind of stuff. So it's becoming really difficult to get into this industry. So a lot of that stuff that we're seeing at the moment is playing out within these, these kinds of share prices and these kinds of things going forward. Now, the second thing is, and if that wasn't enough for you to then be scared about this uh, stock, the second thing is that you're seeing a lot of these big businesses called IOOF, which is now called Insignia, uh, and then MLC, AMP. They're all losing financial planners at a rapid rate. Now, some of them will find a new home and Count might be able to do that. But I think at last count, Count Plus had around about sort of 215, uh, sorry, 315 uh, advisors uh, in, on, on their books. So, look, it's a smaller industry, smaller business. I'd be really cautious about this one. I don't think you need to be there, and that would be a sell from me. Oh, okay. All right. That's a sell from Adam. Um, sounds like Adam liked his own business better. Um, fair enough, too. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Let's sort of stay in a similar space uh, in that sort of fintech area. Elmo Software, uh, this is HR and payroll software business. Um, Adam, so are you sort of a little more optimistic about this one? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we cover this one at uh, Shore and Partners. So I'm going to stick with our analysts on this one. He's got a buy on it with a price target of $8.50. Certainly that where the share price is at the moment, I think that's fairly some big uplift on that one as well. And there you go. That has been pretty tough. But what, uh, what I like, what we like about this story is that they, it represents good value at the moment. And certainly full year 2020 revenues is, is looking to be good. It's basically, if you take that across some of the US peers, uh, it's sitting on a trading on a multiple of 5.1 times, whereas most of the US uh, peers are trading on multiples of 20 times. So it certainly looks pretty good. Look, this one is a, a really um, interesting business and, and, and really boring all at the same time. So sometimes in tech space, you need to have some boring stocks in your portfolio. But look, they've, uh, they're looking to get uh, extending to debt facility within the Commonwealth Bank, which is going to be doing quite good. And then basically going moving through into the US as well. Uh, with more of that sort of insurance side of things that they're going to put their software platforms on. So for this one, me, uh, I like this. I'm going to stay with my analysts on this one. $8.50 price target. It's a buy. All right. Yeah, well, given it's $4.80, I can see why. Jumbe. Right. So um, well, let's go back to when we talk about unprofitable, um, you know, tech businesses and, <laughs> you know, this, this sort of sits in that basket at the moment. Uh, hence why the share price has come off a lot because of the valuation issue. Now, I absolutely agree with Adam. This one is cheap. And it is in that good um, sort of, you know, boring tech. It's defensive. It's, uh, you know, once you get into those firms, corporates with your software, um, you know, it's become very entrenched in those firms. So it's very defensive. Um, and then you get the earning, uh, ongoing earning every year, uh, retainer every year. So it, it's very defensive. It's got good organic growth. And it's going to new markets and it doesn't look as expensive what much much cheaper than the rest of the uh than the rest of sector this one is a buy for me but i i must stress that the whole basket is uh, 
is going to under um, is going to be under a lot of pressure in terms of valuation. Um, but this is a uh, is probably one of the better ones out of that basket. All right. Hey, that's very exciting. We've got our first buy in the portfolio. That is yep. Elmo. <laughs> We're liking it. All right. Uh, good way to uh, to sum up the uh, the top five we've just uh, been through. Let's. Uh, Let's get through that. In fact, we started with sector of the day, which is buy now, pay later, of course. Uh, that's on the back of news the, in the US. The uh, regulator, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, has issued a series of orders there looking at some of the biggest players, which includes Zip and Afterpay, uh, concerned about the accumulation of debt and regulatory arbitrage and the data harvesting that they're seeing. Um, both Jumbay and Adam agreeing that Jumbay saying that uh, that sector is gathering momentum. Uh, no surprise that it's going to attract the attention of regulators as a result uh, and also expecting further consolidation in, in the sector. So it's a hold, also a hold from Adam, uh, just seeing the potential growth there. I think what Adam was saying there in the US, $55 billion of transactions expected to be $74 billion uh, next year too. So uh, obviously signaling that growth there. All right, to our five stocks picked by you. The first one was Wiser. Uh, Adam's saying, need to be careful. Uh, he does like the business model though. Uh, Shore and Partners did have coverage of this of a buy, no longer cover it, uh, but he's sticking with the buy. Jumbe saying it is under pressure because of valuations, uh, although seeing it as too expensive at this point, but does recognise the growth potential there. Corporate travel, we know how that's been affected uh, this past 18 months. And uh, Jumbay saying, uh, with referencing that the hollow, the Hello World Travel acquisition, saying that's going to be accretive, uh, business doing well, but concern about COVID, it is a hold, also a hold from Adam, uh, questioning in fact whether we need to travel at the moment, because obviously we've done so well using the likes of Zoom. Um, and also pointing to just as far as that corporate travel sector is concerned with the election looming, it's going to be important to hold on to those uh, government contracts. Best and less, that was our third one. Um, recently listed, in fact, about six months ago, uh, Adam saying, yeah, the reopening trade, that is encouraging. But in fact, he in fact likes better um, La Visa and Shaver Shop, particularly heading into Christmas. He's got a hold on it. However, Jumbe points out this is obviously very cyclical and Jumbe's thrown a sell on best and less. Fourthly, Count Plus, um, Jumbe acknowledging it's a very fragmented segment uh, but looks okay. This is a professional accounting and advice firm. Um, she's got a hold on it. Adam, well, as I mentioned, he, he likes his own advice better uh, and he's got a sell on Count Plus. And finally, we just did Elmo there. In contrast, both have slapped a buy on Elmo. And in fact, um, uh, Adam's got, uh, it's currently at $4.80 and looking for a target there, Shore and Partners of $8.50. So there is our first five. Let's uh, check in on uh, the call's own portfolio. Of course, we've been tracking this since July 1st last year, thanks to our partner, NabTrade. All stocks to get a two thumbs up or a buy, such as Elmo, both go into the portfolio. If that stock is already in the portfolio and comes up again and receives a unanimous hold from both guests, it remains in the portfolio. So let's check in on how we've been performing. Now weekly, we're down one-tenth of a percent on the month, down just over two and a half, has been tricky over the past month, of course, more broadly. 
And uh, the year to date, since July 1st this year, we're over 7.8% higher. Since its inception from July 1 last year, we're up more than 45%. Taking a look at the stocks we've added recently, uh, Vection Technologies, EBOS Group, Adairs, Magellan Financial Group, Genworth Mortgage Insurance, and those recently taken out, Ingham's, Atomos, BAPCOR, and Harvey Norman. And you can check in on those stocks and ETFs we have in the calls portfolio by heading to osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. We'll be updating that every day here on the call with how it's tracking. Think having an SMSF is hard? Well, think again. Set up your own SMSF completely online with Stake Super and invest your super with freedom. There's no paperwork and Stake does all the admin. You just focus on the investing. All right, let's get back into it. And uh, we're heading into the mineral space. And uh, this one coming to us from Andrew. Once again, not me. Uh, it is Pilbara Minerals. It is lithium. Uh, Andrew's saying, I purchased shares in May. Uh, since then, they have doubled. Should I buy? Should I hold? Should I sell? Adam? Yeah, well, uh, look, the stock has done pretty well, hasn't it? Let's be honest. Uh, you know, with uh, with everything that's going on and any kind of um, uh, technology that you know we can use for potentially lithium, uh, rare earths, uh, all of these kinds of things uh, have done very, very well. And and with the battery technology, I guess, background to all of this, Australia is one of those ones that is going to do very well to make sure that those components of those batteries are going to continue to go through there. So look, um, PLS has uh, increased its senior debt level at the moment. They've brought it up from 30 mil to 155 mil to get basically a new plant uh, expected to start production in the third quarter of 2022, full year 2022. And they should then really be up to full ramping up production by the first quarter of 2023. So look, that's a real positive for PLS. It's no, it's, it, and that's a yeah, real positive and certainly you can see that the share price is doing in, in moving in the right direction. And obviously it is all on the back of rising spot lithium prices. In China, uh, they continue to present earnings upgrades momentum for PLS. So look, I, I think I'll be a little bit, it, this is a very high risk one, everybody, so be very careful. But I do like the whole idea of lithium. I do like the whole idea of, of, of battery technologies. Uh, I think this one is gonna do well going into production. I'm going to stay and have a buy on this one. I don't know if Jumbay will agree with me on this, but I think uh, overall sales should be pretty good. You know, you need to be really careful of the lithium price going forward, but certainly China controls a lot of that uh, uh, and how that's moving. And look, I think it should do well once it goes into production. So I'll stay with a buy on this one. All right. Well, let's find out if Jumbay does have a buy on it. Um, and as you point out, it is, is it a bit specky, Jumbay? Look, I, I do have a buy on it. Uh, it is uh, one of one of the top positions in my portfolio. Um, look, it is very specky. Um, it has done incredibly well. Looking at the share price moving from bottom left to the top right, um, and uh, it's all because of the um, lithium market dynamic is fantastic. You know, every country is now uh, trying to target reducing or well, have certain target of reducing the uh, 
the traditional cars and moving into electric vehicle. Um, and um, and then you need um, you know the right battery battery technology as well as the um, the, the raw material to go into that to get there. So the market dynamic is looking very very strong. Um, but as Adam said, uh, do be mindful that uh, China uh, can move those prices quite quickly um, by you know uh, in terms of incentive and you know what what they what, what sort of rebate they provide back into those EV space. So um, so do be mindful. Things can change very quickly because 12 months ago um, none of them was uh, was looking um, exactly great. So you know right now environment looks good and longer term trend is looking fantastic for those businesses. And uh, PLS is one of the pure plays. Um, it's um, if you are exposure to lithium, that's where you go to. There is also another lower, slightly lower risk one, which is IGO. That's a bigger cap. Um, it's less specky, but Look, IGO at the moment is buying Western areas, and you know there's a bit of um, a wash through that you know shareholder may not particularly like. But IGO is something if the share price does come off, it does represent um, perhaps better value than the likes of PLS. But PLS is a buy at this point. Good one. We've added another one to the portfolio. That is Pilbara Minerals. All right, let's uh, let's continue. The next one is Ordinate. Uh, this one coming to us from Kathy. It is a, a media networking solution provider. And uh, Kathy is asking you guys, uh, as the company announced an acquisition of a video company in Belgium, uh, however, the share price is plummeting. Any insight from you would be great. This was a um, Silex Insight that had bought out of Belgium uh, for six and a half million. Jumbe. Uh, look, uh, I, uh, the acquisition is actually a good acquisition. It in increases the addressable market uh, into different areas, and um, and this company already uh, dominates its its core uh, core space, uh, and this is actually very complementary. Uh, look, the share price plummeting. I wouldn't call it plummeting. Yeah, compared to you know, remember the basket of stock we're talking about, uh, the company that's it's not profitable um it's um oh it's not profitable because it was it was also impacted and and things so uh, the company has done incredibly well now it's sort of just consolidating at this space uh, i do like this company it has not only it, dom it dominate the um the particular area it's specialized in um it's uh, it has this um uh, a reopening theme to its earnings as well because you know obviously as the um, you know, the, the global uh, pandemic has caused the shutdown and things. There was a, not enough live entertainment um, around the world. And this company is very, very much leveraged to that kind of live entertainment concerts and things. So um, so its earnings is actually looking pretty good, very well positioned over the next, um, you know, during the recovery. Um, and then the new acquisition as well as the future growth is looking pretty good for this company. It just gets sold off as a you know, as a basket that's um, that's looking a little bit too expensive. But this one is uh, one of the top picks for me. It's a buy for me. A buy. All right. We're doing well. Adam. Jumbay, I think we're agreeing way too much on this show today. I think we're going to have to... Uh... <laughs> We're going to have to start to do something else because uh, I agree with you. This is a buy. Uh, this is a fantastic one. In fact, this is for the analyst that covers this one. This is his top pick in the sector and this is his most favourite stock. We get sick and tired of hearing him talk about it at the morning meeting every morning. Not every morning, but we get sick and tired of him talking about it because he keeps banging the table on this one. He's got a, It's high risk again. Uh, he's got a price target of $12 on this one. So again, it's got some certainly some serious uplift there. 
in answer to the viewer's question, there was a fair few sort of uh, bigger sales going through. I think the market was expecting potentially uh, a bigger acquisition. And I think there might be some more coming through. But certainly supply chain issues have been the, has been the issue for this stock uh, as far as that challenging uh, components on supply chain as well as disruption of production in Malaysia for their semiconductors and some of their plastics that they use as well. That might have been another reason why potentially somebody got a little bit of cold feet on this one going forward. But see, I guess in line with the sort of the recent sort of downgrade in the share price, we could certainly see that that one has some really good value here. Uh, and it is one of those ones that we really like as well. So we're going to stay with the buy. I don't know if it's in the portfolio, but it certainly is going to be now with a price target of $12. Yeah, you might think you're smart, Adam, but in fact, someone has beaten you to it. It is in the portfolio. So there you go. It stays in the portfolio. In the portfolio. <laughs> that is ordinate. Okay, let's move on to Blackstone Minerals back in the mineral space. And um, this uh, is nickel copper. In fact, it does have a stake. Uh, it has a a facility in Vietnam, recently undertaken a capital raise. Adam? Again, uh, we, we cover this one. So I don't know if um, someone's looking at our research, but look, we're certainly uh, covering this one. I'm going to stay with our analysts on this one. Again, it is high risk, but we've got a, uh, we're going to got a buy on it. And I don't know if I believe the price target, but we've got a price target of two bucks on it. So please, everybody, don't think that that uh, is what it's going to get to in the near future. But we really like this story as far as that we were part of that $60 million equity raise. Uh, the funds were primarily used to finance the construction and commissioning of the pilot plant at the company's, uh, I, I don't know how to say it, but their refinery in Vietnam. And it looks like their feasibility study and advanced exploration and general working capital purposes. They were able to raise that $60 million and it only took us about sort of three to four hours to get that one locked away. So there is certainly demand for the smaller end of the market within the battery metals space or battery mineral space. And I think that focus on uh, the Asia side of things that they could really start to leverage uh, going forward. They probably needed to get some good offtake agreements, which I haven't seen uh, a lot of that. But certainly Vietnam is more favourable for China, South Korea and the likes in Japan and I guess in the heart of Asia. So, yeah, this is an interesting one. Look, they certainly didn't. Uh, we didn't struggle to get that 60 million away for them. And uh, we'll, I'll stay with a buy on this one. All right. Um, that's uh, that Blackstone Minerals. So uh, as you mentioned there, that's interesting too when you say that. So Shuren Partners target there two dollars currently fifty nine cents. So a lot of potential yeah. upside, but but be careful you say. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Jumbei. Um, it's uh, this company in the business description. It's got all the right terms. Um, you know the battery metal and you know all of everything else. The one the share price done so well. Uh, look, I, I think to me it's a bit too speculative. Uh, it's uh, it's in the right space, but I certainly want to see good offtake agreements. I think PLS is as as specky as I go, um, and uh, and this one perhaps um, you know in in a little wise time needs a bit more um, you know um, sort of. Know, agreements contracts and so we can see that um, it, it will take place um, yeah and um, and stay with the slightly larger ones all right so I mean as attractive as those battery metals are I mean you've still got to be obviously selective haven't you Jumbe so and you know particularly if they're speculative you want to see I guess rather than just being an explorer they got to be producing is that are they your metrics 
Yeah, no, absolutely. Look, uh, that's the thing about um, when it's very speculative, um, you're taking out a lot of risks that you don't know of. So, you know, you, you're buying this company to gain exposure, say, to uh, the battery, the EV and all of that. But then this company may have, um, you know, issues with, um, you know, getting contracts. Maybe the management's not great. Maybe, you know, I'm just speculating. And uh, so, you know, so it's, um, you know, when a company hasn't proven itself uh, properly, um, it is uh, investors are taking out a lot of risk that they don't, they actually don't know. Um, and it, these stocks tend to attract a lot of hot money as well. So, you know, at, at the moment, there's a lot of money flowing into anything to do with EV, renewable, um, and, um, you know, that kind of um, businesses. Um, and um, and then, you know, when the music stops, it tend to tend to see those businesses or those share price under enormous amount of pressure. Um, we saw similar sort of thing perhaps 12 months ago in all the fintechs. Um, and then now sort of flow into uh, into sort of, you know, battery and all these related technology businesses. So just be very mindful and yep. stick with the ones that have real contract proper businesses and, and the like. Okay, Blackstone Minerals. So that's a buy from Adam, but it's a no from Jumbei. All right, let's move on to Main Pharma. Now, there's been a lot of, uh, lot of movement in healthcare and pharmaceuticals recent times, particularly... Uh, M&A. Now, Main Pharma, uh, developing, manufacturing, uh, generic pharmaceuticals, uh, has manufacturing facilities in both Australia and in the US in, uh, in North Carolina. Um, Jumbei, what, what are you seeing with Main Pharma at the moment? Oh, it's a, it's a very hard business. Um, look, um, generic make, uh, making generic drugs is a very, very tough business because you've got to constantly, um, you know, uh, building out a whole portfolio of potential product and submit them to uh, the likes of FDA um, and then get them approved and then hopefully pluck your, um, you know, the future earnings. Um, and then you don't know when these might, approval might get through. Um, and clearly for this company, what's been really challenging is that, um, you know, COVID, um, the, the pandemic has meant that, um, you know, FDA, the, um, you know, the uh, FDA, uh, uh, the government uh, body in the U.S., uh, it, uh, has spent all their throw all their resources at approving uh, at approving you know all the vaccines to do with um, COVID and everything else instead of um, doing the normal drug approval um, to so you know so Main Pharma has really struggled <laughs> uh, in terms of getting the new products out of uh, you know uh, its pop pipeline to, to convert into revenue at the same time when its other generic drugs price are falling every year because you know things only get cheaper. Um, as more and more generic drugs maker coming on the market. So, um, look, it's a very tough business. I would avoid it. Um, eventually, perhaps it will get taken out, but it is of a very small scale. Um, it used to be a lot larger, but now it's of a small scale. Um, you kind of need to be big to really be on the radar of large pharma companies to take you out. Otherwise, you constantly run into problem of lack of funding um, for future pipelines. So uh, it's a void for me. Um, and, um, you know, but I think at some point um, it will probably form part of the bigger pharma group. Okay, so certainly a void for now, but maybe um, keep an eye on it. Um, Adam, do you, do you agree? Yeah, well, uh, yes to the recommendation. I definitely agree. I wouldn't be wouldn't be touching this. However, you know, Main Pharma has done very very well in the past. Now, what we thought was going to be, and there we go. There's that sort of. Even if you went back longer, you'd see a, a sort of a decent spike in in the share price as well. But 
Oh, look at that. The chart person is on top of it today. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, look, the, the, whole, the whole idea of it is, is, is that a generic drug, now I'm just going to use Panadol as an example, right, but um, that's not the right way. But using a, a generic drug is basically when a patent finishes for a drug, let's say Panadol, it, it, they might have that patent for 60 years. Then all of a sudden that 60 years finishes, uh, then they can't renew that patent. So what happens is all these generic drugs then come onto the market that are exactly the same. And when you go to the chemist and you're buying your Panadol or your drug going forward, they say, well, do you want the, the brand name or do you want the generic one? And you say, well, what's the difference? And they say nothing. And you say, well, what's the price difference? And they say the generic one's cheaper. So most people would normally just go for the generic one because it's cheaper if there's no differences in, in the actual makeup of, of, of the Panadol that you're buying. So we thought that Main Pharma would be fantastic because then all of these drugs that are coming off or rolling off patent, they can then get onto these and then put them in, in between. And as most people will do when times are tough and things get hard, they'll turn around and say, well, I'll take the cheaper one going forward. But that hasn't been the case for Main Pharma. They've certainly uh, they've done uh, they've done well to try and get these generic drugs on there, but as Jumbo said, that it's very very difficult once once you've got the FDA side of things covered, then you have to go through all of these approval processes and get people to sell them and all these kinds of things. Now the problem is, is that with all of these generic drugs coming off, there's lots of them coming on there, and at the moment I think uh, Main Farmers are launching over a dozen dermatological as well as Willem, w w women's health drugs in the US over the next coming couple of months as well. So there's lots of potential for this thing, but the market isn't really seeing that. And so I'm really cautious about that because uh, I think overall they spend a lot of money. They don't get a lot of money back because of these generic drugs. You, you can obviously still cost you to make it, but you don't get the premium that these, you know, the Pfizer's or the, or the big drug companies get uh, when you have these things. So for me, it would be an avoid. Uh, until you see stabilisation in the share price or they come out with a really good blockbuster one, uh, it, it, it's a no from me. Okay, that's an avoid from both Jumbe and Adam. All right, we're in the home stretch. The, uh, the last stock we're taking a look at today is Lifestyle Communities. This one coming to us from Tim. Now, this builds, owns, operates, uh, land lease communities, provides affordable housing, uh, basically. Uh, aimed at Aussies over 50, that's a retirement cohort. I guess it's all about downsizing. Um, Adam, you know, when you re reach a certain age, you start thinking about these sorts of things, don't you? <laughs> well, mate, I do you have grey hair. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, thank you, Jumbe. Thank you. I wouldn't know, but I do have grey hair, Andrew. Uh, but thank you for re you know, I said to my wife the other day, oh, we'll, we'll, you know, maybe seven years or so, we'll be able to live in an over 55s community. She was like, how dare you? How could you ever say that kind of thing? <laughs> uh, so, look, um, it, it's it's an interesting one. And, you know, we know that the retirees, uh, the, the, the generation of retirees is, is only going to get larger. Okay, so it's not just here in Australia, it's, it's globally that there is a population slowdown, but also that, you know, Japan is a classic example of how, uh, you know, their, their ageing population and, and is, is going to be huge. And there's sort of this tsunami of retirees that are coming down the line uh, at the moment. So you'd think that lifestyle communities would be doing quite well. And it looks like actually they're doing okay uh, going forward. Um, and, you know, you look at that share price and you think, well, what's wrong with it? I think it's probably fully valued here at the moment, but they have been able to demonstrate the ability to secure land, having recently acquired sort of two, um, 
two different sites, one in Phillip Island, which is about 260 homes, and then another one in, uh, in Victoria as well. So I think those two sites will give them uh, access to planning, planning permits and then really then start to then sort of get that pipeline of, of going forward as well. So the whole idea about this business is it has to keep rolling in or has to continue to keep getting land to, to meet the demand. And it looks like they can do that as well. Um, look, there are other businesses that I probably prefer in this space, probably something like a Stockland, where you've got the diversification of um, shopping malls uh, uh, over time or villages, those kinds of things. So I think something like that, for me, it's a hold on evaluation ground. I think it's had a really good run. Uh, if any sort of pullback, you'd probably like, I'd, I'd like to look at this one. But look, I, I do think it looks a little bit stretched on the valuation and something like a Stockland would be a better pick in that space for me. Okay. Yeah, Jumbo, as Adam points out there, I mean, you know, globally, um, and Australia's no different, an ageing population, so clearly that plays into it a strength there. But what, what are your thoughts, uh, you know, particularly where Adam raises the point that might be something better out there? Uh, I, um, I actually agree with Adam on uh, um, all fronts, actually. Um, there is uh, something, I think Stockland does look incredibly cheap and, uh, you know, give you good diversification. It's very, it's a quality play into the leverage of the, you know, sort of housing market. Now, this company, the Lifestyle Communities, um, I have seen those, um, you know, been, been through a few cycles of those uh, retirement village uh, sort of assets. Um, you know, I, I, I know how they trade and, you know, how they trade as in how they perform. Those assets, the retirement village, is very much reflective of what the what's the underlying residential housing market is like. When the res underlying residential housing market turns a um, little bit negative, uh, these businesses will struggle. You know why? Because um, for people who's over 55, uh, one is they struggle to sell their houses and they tend to hold out for better prices, so they don't sell. Um, and also, uh, retirement village is a not it's a, a discretionary property. It's not like aged care where you know, it's non-discretionary, you have to go there. So it is a, uh, a lifestyle choice and then it's uh, it's discretionary. So during times of um, uh, poor, you know, housing market or downturning housing market, this stock will struggle, you know, absolutely struggle. We've seen it before. Last time when we had the downturn many, many years ago, a um, lot of large players couldn't get rid of those, um, you know, let lease had those assets and um, stuff like that. All of those guys couldn't sell or their retirement villages, um, they're just trying to get them off their books. And uh, and uh, but of course, the housing market is very, very healthy. And so this company is doing very well at this point and they've got the land and they can develop and things are looking strong. Um, it's a hold for me at this point. Do be mindful. Housing market might look a little bit tougher in the next 12 to 18 months, um, given we had a massive run. Um, and um, and then this business is, uh, is, is probably reasonably valued at this point. Um, I much prefer to get um, to have exposure like the Stockholm, which is a more premium developer, uh, as well as uh, exposure into shopping centres and other things. Okay, that is Lifestyle Communities, a hold from both. And that sums it up. Let's get to the second half, uh, see how we did. Uh, we started well, in fact, because we began with Pilbara Minerals. Um, and this is a buy from both. It's, uh, in fact, uh, it uh, goes into the portfolio and uh, Adam talking about it, ramping up production, um, share prices up. Of course, this is about China demand as well, given it's all about those battery minerals. Um, Junbei there saying one of the top positions in her portfolio, long-term trend looking good. Uh, also liking IGO there in that space, but it is a double buy. So that goes in the portfolio. Ordinate. 
Uh, Jumbe saying, uh, Marty, good acquisition just as far as its latest one in Belgium. Um, dominates the sector, plays that reopening theme. It's a buy. Adam saying, yeah, top pick in the sector for uh, Shoring Partners there. Uh, low, little cautious there. It's high risk, but uh, does have a price target of $12, currently at $9.33. Uh, a double buy there, so but it is already in the portfolio, so it stays in the portfolio. Uh, thirdly, there Blackstone Minerals. Um, this is focused on uh, nickel and copper, particularly in Vietnam. Uh, Adam say once again uh, high risk target there at two dollars, currently at fifty nine cents. So keep an eye on that. He's got a buy on it. Uh, Jumbe though finding it too speculative. It is a no. Main farmer. Uh, yeah, a tough sector, points out Jumbay, um, uh, particularly given it's all about generic drugs. It is an avoid, also an avoid from Adam, saying it's done well in the past. Does have, uh, you know, was showing great potential, but look at that uh, share price there. It's a top left, bottom right. That's not a good sign. And finally there, lifestyle communities, uh, all about uh, retirees uh, and property there. Um, and Adam points out that's good because we've got an ageing population, but he's seeing it as fully valued. Prefers Stockland, as does Jumbe, uh, saying that uh, Stockland looking cheap, in fact, at this point. Um, so both have a hold on uh, lifestyle communities. All right, that is our show for today, this Friday. We did well. We've got a couple in the portfolio there. Uh, and, of course, any stocks you'd like to cover, you can flick us an email at the call at ausbiz.com.au or tweet us at TV. Adam, thanks for joining us from Shore & Partners. Yeah. Jumbay, likewise, thanks for joining us from Tribeca. Thank you very much. All right. And a reminder where to find all the stocks we have in the calls portfolio. You can head to ausbiz.co forward slash portfolio.